In the second reading, we are told and reassured that God dwells with his people. The second reading is from the book of Revelation, the 21st chapter. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. And also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquers will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. This is the word of the Lord. In July of um, 1973, Red Waylett, Walt Waylett of our church in Brayton, Iowa, was, was sick. He had, a, he had a cancer that attacked his immune system. And Red was hospitalized in a very special room where there, was, uh, there were no germs. It was an isolation room, and they kept him there germ-free so that he could not be infected. And when you went to visit Red, then you had to put on a, a cap, a special cap, and gloves, and a mask, and a gown, and even had to cover your shoes so you wouldn't bring any infection into Red's room. In July of 1973, I decided I was going to go to see Red and his family. They, lived, they were in Iowa City, about a three hours' drive from where we lived in Iowa. And when I got to the hospital, the family was very glad to see me, but they were very agitated. They were very disturbed because Red was seeing things. He was having hallucinations, they thought. There was something wrong with him because he kept telling them that he could see heaven. Well, I guess Lutherans aren't supposed to see heaven. And they said, when you get back to Brayton, when you get back to town, you can tell people how Red is doing, but don't tell them that he's having these visions. Because what will people think of him? And what will people think of us? Don't say anything about the visions. Okay. So I I went in to see him, and I put on my cap, and I put on the gloves, and, and the whole rigmarole. And he was there in the bed, And he had this big smile on his face. He was so happy. Because he could see heaven. And he could still see it. And you could see it in his face. How happy he was with this vision. Now the question is, was it real? Was it just an hallucination? Did the doctors give him too much too much medicine, playing games with his head. Or was it real? 
It was real to him. And I believe in that hospital in Iowa City, that, that red whaler, he saw heaven. He saw his coming home. He saw where he was going and Red died soon after this. He saw where he was going. He was so excited about it and so encouraged by it. It was as if, it was as if God had taken the curtain that hides, that separates us from God. And he had drawn the curtain back. You remember in The Wizard of Oz, at the end of The Wizard of Oz, when they pull the curtain back and you see the guy running all the levers and wheels? It was like that. As if God had pulled the curtain back just for him and shown him heaven, his, his heavenly home. What, what a great gift. He was so excited about seeing heaven. I've met people like other people who have had experiences like that. Uh, they've had um, many people near death have these near death experiences. They see a light. They see something. They see somebody they have this feeling of peace in their heart. They see heaven. And when people have told me about that, they have said, now, Pastor, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody because what will they think about me? It wouldn't surprise me that there are people in this room right now who have had that kind of experience. And if you don't don't be ashamed of it, because I'm jealous. I would love to see that. Jesus had visions at his baptism. The Gospels tell us he saw the heavens open up and the Spirit of God descend like a dove. On the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus and Peter and James and John had a collective vision. Remember that? They saw Moses and Elijah. He was there and then he was gone. We heard today Peter had a vision. Had the vision of the sheep being let down with all these animals in it. St. Paul had visions. St. Paul saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. He's, nobody else saw him but Peter saw him. But Paul saw him. And also, uh, Paul had another vision. I want to read this for you. He says, I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And he's talking about himself. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. That person was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not permitted to be told that no mortal is permitted to repeat. St. Paul had, had visions. And John, the writer of the book of Revelations, had, had visions. Because the opening of the second reading, it says, he said, then I saw. Red, Waylord, saw something. And John says, I saw something. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Can, now, can you see this? I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Can you see that? A whole city 
coming down out of heaven. Think of this. The Bible begins in a garden and ends in the city. John had a vision. In fact, the whole book of Revelation is a, is a, is a bunch of, of, of visions and Revelation is the most difficult book in the Bible because we don't know what to make of all of these visions. People try to understand them. And all that, the, the book of Revelation has been a happy hunting ground for all kinds of things. And all the interpretations of the book of Revelation that you find, they never agree. Have you ever noticed that? You get 10 opinions, you get 11 answers. And my own personal feeling is that nobody knows anything. All the theories are wrong. They're looking for stuff that's not there. But having said that, I found a way to deal with the book of Revelation. And the key to that is understanding that it was written to the people in the first century who were under persecution. It's written to Christian brother and sisters who are being jailed and tortured and killed because they're Christians. To this day, the book of Revelation is the most significant to people who are being persecuted. So it means something to us. But we first have to ask, what did it mean to them? What's the purpose of the book for them? And for me, the, the book is very easily explained by, by one sentence from chapter 2, where John writes, Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. The book of Revelation is basically a book of encouragement to people under persecution. To encourage them to be faithful no matter what happens. They're asking the question, what's going on here? We're Christians and we're being persecuted. And John is saying, hold on. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. And then in chapter 21, then he tells them what it looks like. What's coming? A new heaven and a new earth. And the holy city coming down from God, so beautiful like a bride adorned for her husband. And then he hears this. The home of God is among men. He will dwell with them and be their God. They will be his people's. And God himself will be with them. And then this part. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. All the tears they shed in persecution be wiped away. Death will be no more. Neither suffering, nor crying, nor pain anymore. Because the old things are passed away. Be faithful unto death. And I will give you the crown of life. And then this in verse 7. Those who conquer will inherit these things. And I will be their God. And they will be my children. Be faithful unto death. And you will conquer. You will win. I'm not a big fan of country and western music. I prefer Mozart to Mickey Gilly. 
But country and western music has a way of capturing human emotions and encapsulating it in just a few words. Country and western music is very good about getting to the heart of things. Who could ever forget the country and western song? I have tears in my ears from lying on my back in my bed thinking of you. I have tears in my ears lying on my back in my bed thinking of you. I have tears in my... Isn't that profound? I have tears in my ears. Well, that's the way it is. And, and country music, country and western music has picked up a theme of, of, of a revelation. And if you saw the, today's, uh, today's sermon topic, did you see that? Um, here it is. It's, I read the last chapter, and we win. Now, that's not exactly the title of, of the song. The real title of the song is, I read the back of the book and we win. But I don't like that. I like my title better. <laughs> I read the last chapter and we win. And here, here are the words to this country music song. I've been reading in the Bible about the ending of the age. And one thing that's for certain, it grows closer every day. But I am not concerned about the way it's going to end because I read the back of the book and we win. I read the back of the book and we win. No more living in darkness. We'll be living at home with him. You see, there's no need to worry about it if you're born again. I read the back of the book and we win. And you get the picture of of reading something like a, a murder mystery. With a convoluted plot and all kinds of subplots and all kinds of people. And you're about halfway through and you say, what is this all about? I can't keep track of everything. It's driving me nuts. Well, if you can't figure it out, what do you do? You go to the back. You read the last chapter. And it says, it says the, the mailman did it. Or the milkman did it. Or the butler did it. Or the pastor did it. Right? And then, oh, now you understand everything. And once you understand that, then you can go back and finish the book. Because it all makes sense. All the the, the crazy plots make sense. That's what the book of Revelation is about. We've read the back of the book. And we've won. There's a new heaven and a new earth coming. And it's for you. It's, It's an encouragement to people who are being persecuted. And the message is, be faithful. Don't give up. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. And it shows them the new Jerusalem. When Red Whalert saw heaven, he was encouraged. He was dying. And he knew he was dying. But he was encouraged. Because he read the last chapter. He saw the last chapter. And he knew that he would win. We live in an age where things are politically correct. Um, Part of that is that everybody's religion is all the same. It doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. 
And the book of Revelation says something quite unpolitically correct when it says the Christians win. We win. At the end of the age, at the close of human history, when Christ returns, what becomes clear is that the Christians win. We read the last chapter, and we win. We do. Now, we don't say that out of pride. We, we say that out of gratitude. We don't say to other people, nah, 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 you're wrong, we're right. We don't say that. But we know that in our hearts, that because of Jesus Christ, all of human history is on our side. Or, we are on the side of God's human history. And when it's all done, we win. That's always been the message of the church. What does John 3.16 say? God so loved what? The world. It doesn't say God loved some of the people. He loved part of the world. It says God loved the world, the whole world. And he sent his son for the whole world. To die for the whole world. And nobody's excluded from that. That's, that's the, the force behind the church's missionary effort. I've said before, you know, we are in the news business. We're not in the religion business, we're in the news business. We have news for the world. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And Jesus is the way he wants you to go. In the Apostles' Creed, we say every week, he will come again to do what? To judge the living and the dead. Not some of the people. Not just the people in Europe and the United States. He'll come again and he'll judge everybody. Everybody will stand before his throne. We make that claim. He will judge everybody. In the letter to the Philippians, St. Paul has this, this wonderful, wonderful picture that at the end of the age... Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The living and the dead, everybody will say it because it's absolutely clear. Now some of us will say it in joy. Yes, we've been saying Jesus Christ is Lord our whole life. We're sure going to say it in heaven. But there are folks who have been saying it's wrong. But it will be so clear that Jesus Christ is Lord, that they'll have to say it even if it sticks in their throats. Now that's not very politically correct, but the church has always said that. I read the last chapter. And we win. Thanks be to God. We win. Amen.